All right, everyone. Thanks for joining um, Floating City Podcast. This is a podcast where I interview people that really inspire me, that have changed the world with their craft. And today I have Miss Kathy Scott. Kathy Scott is a LA Times bestseller and award-winning journalist, a university professor, and also a writer of Psychology Today. Is that blogger? Blogger for Psychology Today. There you go. Um, and a you know, wrote a ton of books, Paw Prince of uh, Katrina, Death in the Desert, Unconditional Hour, um, The Murder of Biggie Smalls, and the biggest one, which was uh, The Killing of Tupac Shakur. That is quite the accomplishment. Hello, Miss Kathy. Hi, Alex. <laughs> Happy to be here. Thank you. Sweet. Nice um, introduction. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, when did you start writing? Well, I was a secretary for Pacific Bell, but I always wanted to write. When I went to college, I took creative writing, and, you know, life gets in the way, and marriages, and kids, and I have a son. So I um, uh, became a secretary for Pacific Bell, and then, um, but always wanted to write, and um, fought a project at the beach, and... um, was interviewed by an LA Times reporter and I asked him how he break into the business. He said, just do it and um, work for the smallest newspapers you can find and that's what I did. I took a buyout and, and broke into the news business and worked my way up. Very cool. So did you write when you were younger? I wrote poetry and you know, I had a, I had a at Grossmont Junior College, I had a really good creative writing instructor who um, really encouraged me and he made a difference. I actually thank him and the Tupac Shakur book for, for giving, you know, for encouraging a young writer who, you know, I always wanted to write. And I was just a um, news junkie. I would read, I would follow stories in the newspaper and I always thought, God, what a, how cool would it be to be able to follow a story from beginning to end and cover it? And that was my goal. And then I, I ended up, I majored in business. So well, I majored in art at Grossmont, but business at the University of Redlands and ended up being business editor of the Loyalite newspaper. After that, I went to a daily and they offered me the police beat. But I had my first crime. It was a DEA drug bust on Mission Boulevard. And I remember standing in the medium and I was writing for my first newspaper, the Beach and Bay Press, or some of us call it the Bitch and Bay Press. And, <laughs> and um, standing there and, and just thinking how cool it was to cover that. And I was just hooked on crime after that. Sweet. So that was like, I was going to ask the next one. When was it like you were like, this is it. I'm writing. This that is was it. it. And that then my it. goal was to get to crime writing. And and um, there was an author I read, and uh, it was the corpse had a familiar face. She went to a crime scene, and she knew who the dead guy was. And and so I read her, Edna Buchanan, and um, she had a couple of books, but that was the best one for me. And and I was just hooked, and 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 I I became her. You know, wow. I, I've been to more homicide scenes than I care to count. But and then I became a, um, a uh, I covered the military as well. So, because it kind of falls over onto a, um, a crime beat. And I, I was a stringer at the San Diego Union Tripping, a stringer for the Associated Press. I wrote for anybody who would take me. So just to get my clips and move my way up. Totally. Yeah, that's why when I first, well, I first saw you at, 
the library, you did a talk at on how to publish book, how you get your book published, how to start that whole process. And that was like the first thing I noticed was you specifically said, just keep doing it. Just keep writing, keep putting stuff out there. Like you have that hustler, that hustler gene, I guess, yeah. in you. Well, I started when I was 38 years old. So I was competing with kids out at J school, you know, journalism oh, school okay. at 21. And so I put myself on a fast track and I, I, I pretty much, and I won some awards and, and things like that. And pretty, you know, was very competitive and, but you know, I just have a nose for news and mm -hmm. you, you, if you find something you like, keep doing it because you're going to be good at it. You know? So I, I love it. I love writing about, I love chasing a story. I absolutely love research. Nice. And yeah, so I mean, the obvious thing is, well, the biggest thing that you did was the killing of Tupac Shakur. It was my first book. The first book. That, well, I was listening to the audiobook, and it's very cinematic the way you wrote it. Like, I could see everything happening just hearing it. The way I could just see it all happening. So you got Thank that. Thank you. It's very yeah. image driven, I guess. I don't know. Well, somebody once told me I write scenes without even knowing that I'm doing it. Yes, that was but, the main thing, yeah. But it, um, so I covered that. I covered the case from, you know, I was at the hospital when he died, and, and I covered it from day one. I got a call in the middle of the night from a homicide cop saying, hey, you need to, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and you've been shot around. 11, 12, something like that, around 11, 30 or 12, and, and he was still alive, and homicide cop told me, um, you need to go down to the Las Vegas Strip, a rapper by the name of Tupac Shacker, he couldn't even pronounce his name, Tupac, and you need to, you need to go down there, I got dressed, and I went down to the Strip. I lived wow. about eight miles away from the Strip, and so I went down there. So there's still some CSI guys down there. All the witnesses were gone, but the car was still there, and Suge Knight's car, the one that Tupac was in, and, and I've been covering it ever since. Wow, and that was your kind of entrance into true crime? No, no, I was a crime writer. Crime writer before I, that. Okay, I was yeah. a police reporter, so yeah, I covered okay, the police beat. Um, I covered City Hall in Las Vegas, which was a trip to cover, but um, but for the most part, I was a police reporter. And then, um, so I, and, you know, it's a lot of crime. I ended up, um, one of the things that I, I ended up being fairly good at, too, was writing about the mob. And so, um, they're fascinating. So the last mobster who was killed in Las Vegas was in 1997, Herbie, Her, Fat Herbie Blitzstein. I was at his crime scene, and I interviewed the killer. Wow. Before they suspected him and arrested him. Did you know about Tupac before him? I, yeah, before covering a story? I was a big MTV watcher when MTV was different. That's when the first videos came out. It was 95, 96, whatever. He was shot in 96. And so I knew who he was, you know. And, and everybody asked me, well, do you really like his music or whatever I do? But, you know, the best song of all, Dear Mama. Nice. I mean, it tears me up every time I, wow. I hear that. So, so, so you were a fan. So rich. And, well, without knowing it, I didn't pay attention to his name, who he was, you know. And so um, he was brilliant. You know, he was a poet. He was a lyricist. He was an actor. And we'll never know who he could have become. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was a voice for that generation. There was no Iraq. There was no... There was no um, uh, Afghanistan. There was no Vietnam. You know, there was nothing. So it was really the plight 
of, of kids and, you know, they didn't really have anything to um, go after. And he spoke to it them. He spoke to them like Malcolm X. Yeah, you know, yeah. For his generation. Totally. And he still does. He, st he you know, still does. And mostly yeah. white kids. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's, his, that's his uh, demography, yeah. you know, the demographic for his, his music. Totally. I I remember when I was younger, I was in, I was telling Eddie before, he, when I was in 10th grade, he's in 10th grade, I was in class and some girl, because you know there's like the conspiracy theories of how he does, he's not actually dead or whatever. Oh yeah, I kind of was in the book. Yes. She was like ranting in class. She was like, the journalist that wrote, I don't even remember what she said, but she was the journalist that wrote that blah, blah, blah. And it's crazy how we crossed paths later. Oh, funny. And I was in 10th well, grade. Well, at least she read my book. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but it was really crazy how that, you know, how everything's connected. And that also brought me to, brought me to the, like, that really changed the culture of America, too. That, like, was a pretty intense mark of what happened because... We're so influenced by the media, by music and everything, and then him dying and you documenting it. And the audiobook is so thorough. Like, every little thing that happened that you oh, knew about, you. yeah, is super thorough. So well, the book just, is, too. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But, the, but, but thank you for that. The interesting thing about kids is they look at that. He, he speaks to them, too. And I think, and then somebody so vibrant, so... Charismatic. It's almost like JFK. You know, he, John Kennedy was such a charismatic person, and then boom, he's gone. And so it's almost like they can't believe that he died, and it's like he can't. You know, he can't be dead. There's, there's somebody that great, um, because you know he, he just you know he'd walk into a room and light it up. He had one of those things, and he knew it. He was cute as could be. You know, he's handsome and. And, you know, he's a ladies' man and all that. But he hadn't matured yet. He was still very young. He was immature. He made some mistakes. And we'll just never know the, the real man he would have become because I think he would have gone on and done big things. Totally. You know, he was already speaking at that time. He was already um, going to colleges and universities and speaking. You know? wow. So he was already doing it. And he was... How old are you? Twenty five. Twenty five. And he yeah. always said, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a black man, you know, under the age of twenty five, and most, most black men, they're doomed, you know, um, you know, you go to a, uh, you go to a, you know, low income housing project, and you know, you can't go. And I've been to them, mm -hmm. a lot of them, and I could never go alone at night. You know, people are shooting. They're, you know, you got little gangbangers coming from, you know, mom and dad, especially in Vegas, LA, you've got people moving from all, and they, they bring their kids and their kids are little gangbangers. And so you've got the 18th street and the Crips and the bloods all yeah, living yeah. in the same, same place. And, um, you know, you shoot them up at night and stuff, do stupid things. Yeah. You know, yeah. And no, um, and he, he, you know, to his credit and to Biggie Smalls as well, they never jumped into a gang. Yeah, yeah. He may have associated with the uh, with the, the Bloods because of Suge Knight, his producer, mm -hmm. but Tupac never jumped into a gang. Wow, and this probably... He threw just... signs and stuff like that, you know, what up. But, yeah, yeah. But he, uh, <laughs> what up, boys side. But, but he, um, he never, uh, he never jumped in. Wow. And did you meet, who did you meet? that was related to Tupac in that, after that happened? Like, did you have to talk to, like, all, you know, his girlfriend at the time, all that stuff? Well, I interviewed his mom on, on the phone, though, and I was on BET with her. 
she was very, you know, I had an autopsy photo in there that was a little controversial when it came out. Yep, and, yep. And she was very gracious, but she, unlike um, uh, Tupac's mother, Valetta Wallace, um, she's all about justice for his son and for Tupac, uh, if any, and she's dead now too, uh, but if any, um, she, she was all about his legacy and his, who he was and keeping him alive through and he is yeah. still through his 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 films were brilliant you know what he did and and his music and his lyrics and his poetry and and so he still lives on with lots of people you know wow yeah that is very true and even now like a couple of years ago there was the he does like a hologram him and snoop dogg well, that was a trip that yeah. was a trip and a half mm -hmm. he was like rapping with mm -hmm. a hologram of tupac that is Crazy, and the fact that they still keep him alive. There's people that didn't even know, like Eddie didn't even know about Biggie, but he knows about Tupac. Yeah, Tupac was bigger than you know. Yeah, and I think they, they were different singers, but, yeah, but well, I think I think Tupac um, he had a different kind of sound. He had you know Biggie, you know, and Tupac was a true thug, but just because he, he came from the street, you know, Biggie, his mother was a you know she was a second grade teacher, you know, and he um, and they had sat down at dinner every night. Tupac didn't sit down at dinner every night. His mother was a crackhead, Good you know. Point. I mean, yeah, yeah. but he was raised around, you know, Black Panthers. She, you know, she was part of the Panther Ten, and he, she was pregnant with him and charged with murder of a federal building in New York, one of the Panther Ten, and that's going way beyond your history. And she represented herself and got off of a federal murder charge. Dang. Would that happen today? Represented no. herself and she won. And then she went on though and she, you know, she didn't stick with the movement and and um, kind of lost her way. And and then he forgave her, he, he, you know, because she wasn't the best mom yep. until later, later until he got older and he forgave her, you know, which I thought was a lot of, a lot of sons won it. And it just, you know, dear mama, yeah, I forgive yeah. you. You that know, is it's powerful, sweet. very yeah. powerful. And he wow. says right in there, I, you know, I forgive you. You know, it's just the sweetest darn thing on earth. Totally. And he was a good, he was a good person. He, he you know, he, he was very much affected by the people around him. Should I, of course, in the whole thug image. And, and, but he, um, he was coming into his own, but we just didn't see it fully realized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. you know, I'm. I'm proud to be his biographer. Yes. And I did the same thing with Biggie Smalls. So I'm proud to be his biography. Yes. Because I don't just write about the murder. I write about their lives and try to encompass it all. Totally. That was like the main thing. Like you were factual about how he lived and you know how people, not everybody accepts that kind of lifestyle, but you're very, um, but it was like a positive note. Like he, he had issues with his mom. That's why he wrote very like kind of misogynist lyrics. And then he, he I mean, I thought, the, the whole thing was written really well. Thank you. He's yes. a really complex person. Very complex. I think more so than Biggie Smalls was. Yeah. And I heard, I remember a while ago, I don't remember when you said it, but did you get a tour of Biggie Smalls' mom's house? Um, I, she invited me there. So Very I went to his, I went to his, uh, it was the TNF New Jersey house that mm -hmm. he bought for her, but I went, and then I went to his walk-up. Where his, um, I went up the stairs to his walk-up, where his, inside, um, where his uncle was living at the time, and so, um, but I, but I do have a tendency to try to go wherever, and she invited me over. 
Wow, very cool. So you got, I mean, that probably, you know, created a whole series of events that was. Well, it's like I went to New York and I, and I, I went, I went to New York and they, I went into a market. I'd forgotten a camera and so just bought a throwaway camera and I went to this market and I told him what I was there for. And it was right down the street around the corner from where Biggie lived in the walk up with his mom. And, and he goes, Oh, I hired him as a bag man when he was 12 years old. He was my son's best friend. His son was there. Wow! You know, and so I interviewed them both, and he gave me, he gave me uh, Valetta Wallace's telephone number. Dang. And that's just luck, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I do knock on doors. I mean, I do go in. I don't tell them I'm coming at first, you know. Um, I'm like a market, you know. You don't give them warning because then they prepare to say no. So you just, you just have to it. wing it, and that's how you get. That's how you. That's, That's how you see TV people do it today, too, and all the big stories politically they're doing. You just pick up, call someone cold. Totally. That's sales 101. It's like yeah. that's the best way of doing it. Catch them cold. That's probably where, why you got so successful is that kind of attitude of just going right in it. Well, I got and being lucky. very consistent I got and lucky persistent. And, yeah, I like with the autopsy photo, you know, that was handed to me. But, but um, you just, you know, you have breaks in... Totally. But I mean, it's because it's, I, for me, I think of it as like you're rolling the dice. So the more times you roll the dice, the more chance you have of hitting, you know, snake eyes yeah. or whatever. And then one person leads to another. Mm -hmm. You say, I need to talk to this person. Totally. And can you help me get in touch? I mean, I tried Suge Knight. He read my book because I, I knew a prison guard when he was staying up in, um, where was he, Lompoc or something. And, and he goes, oh yeah, it was in his cell with him. Wow. Like, yeah, whatever he goes, well, he didn't read. Well, whether he read or not, he had the Tupac book. So, um, he, you know, he was a big part of it, Shook was. But, wow. um, yeah, so it's interesting. Somebody right. wanted me to write a book and approached me, an agent, and then a publishing house wanted to do it as well. And then they, you know, when we had a conference call about Shook not, and they went, yeah, Shook's not that interesting. And then he committed that murder. Where you didn't just run over the man once, he backed up and rolled over him again, you know, with this car. And Dang. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. So he is where he deserves to be. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. Wow. That is, yeah, that's quite, and what was your favorite book that you've ever written? Well, I think, I mean, they're all different. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I went down to Hurricane Katrina. And, and you know, I grappled over it, you know, because an agent approached me and wanted me to write a book, um, about the rescue of animals because I was down there with a welfare group and ended up, went down for two and a half weeks and stayed for four and a half months down, yeah, in, in New Orleans and, and, and Mississippi, Tyler Town, Mississippi. Yeah. And, um, and, um, and you, you have crossroads, you know, that you come to. And so I gave up my teaching position at UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. I was teaching journalism to stay and the Gulf Coast, and um, and it, it turned out to be Pop Roots of Katrina, and so I think, and I'm very proud of that book, and I think it was lessons told. People will never again, because of Hurricane Katrina, will never again be forced to leave their homes without their pets. At gunpoint, some yeah, of yeah. them. They had to leave wow. their animals behind, and then and the rescue oh groups, God. like the one I was with, we went and and got them. I mean, broke down doors, broke windows, oh and boats you know, on the water. People for months did it, taking, That's... I think we got about 7,000 out. Then all, Alan McGraw, who was in Love Story, she wrote the foreword. She's a big animal activist, 
and she wrote the forward to it. So you get, you know, so after that, then, you know, I switched, okay, I went from dogs and cats to another murder story. Yeah, yeah. Did that, Paw Prince of Katrina got pretty big, right? It's in, like, Barnes and Noble and stuff? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did well. I'm yeah. positive I saw it when I, like, oh, like 10 years ago now in a, yeah. a Barnes and Noble. I'm almost Probably, positive. Yeah. I saw the, the cover. It was right? there. It was that yeah. all that. Yeah, it was a good, beautiful, beautiful photo on the cover. But yes. I worked with a photographer down there who, who was an incredible photographer. And then that's when we went later, uh, a few years later, we came out with, um, we wrote Unconditional Honor because he's a former Marine. He's an incredible photographer. So we interviewed probably 200 service members. Wow. And with, with traumatic brain injuries and with, um, with uh, PTSD. And I interviewed so many of them. And, and it was, sometimes it was very difficult for them. And then I went through something, an injury. I had a head injury and went through something and, and recovered. Um, mostly, <laughs> but um, so now I look at it and I have such more empathy. Yeah. Having gone through, and I think, God, I wish I'd had that accident prior to doing the book. Totally. That's because, it, but I did it, it. It, you know. But now I'm done with those. I'm st sticking to like crime. True crime. Does it doing true crime? Does it kind of mess with you because, of, like, the violence, like, you know, your documenting the violence over and over. Does it, like, mess with your head, visualizing all this stuff? Well, I think... Or you know, that squeamish? Well, I mean, it's it's the worst side of people. You know, people who get, you know, who murder other people. It's the worst side. I mean, I don't... I haven't been in a situation... I did see Robert Durst at P.F. Chang's in Nevada and in, in, in Las Vegas, and it kind of, you know, gave me a scare for a moment because it, it was creepy to see him there because, like, what the heck is he doing then? in yeah. Vegas, but, um, before he was arrested, but, um, I, I, um, I've been to crime scenes, I've been to car accidents, I've been to horrible situations where, um, with a photographer, I can remember one photographer, he and I went to a particularly grizzly, a grizzly one, I think I covered a lot of domestic violence too, and, and triangles and, you know, murder-suicides and, um, and some of them are really bad and they'll roll the body right out in front of us. And, and, um, uh, afterward one particularly bad one, uh, um, a photographer came up to me in the newsroom and said, Hey, come out on the balcony with me. He just needed to chill, you know, to just kind of have a Zen moment, yes, you know, totally. to kind of wash it, wash it out of him because it can be, you know, when you're there, you're kind of very methodically. I, I make a point, because um, I've seen reporters do this, when someone's died and you're at the crime scene. I mean, at, Big, at, at Tupac Shakur, there was a, a singer, 18 years old, and he was one of the outlaws, one of his backup singers. And he, he and we knew that Tupac was dead and it was spreading. We were at the trauma unit. I was outside. And, and he just went to the sidewalk, you know, not too far away from me and just crumbled and cried. And some other guy came up and... You know, it was just sad watching that. And and so it was just, a, it gets very sobering. But I make a point of not, if someone's obviously upset, unless they're angry and want to talk about it, um, I don't, I, I, hes, I hesitate, hesitated to approach them. So mm -hmm. I catch people later or a little time goes on. I mean, when you're at a crime scene, you're at a homicide, it's a hurry up and wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the body's not going anywhere. 
nothing's happening. Homicide cops finish their dinner, so does the coroner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the show, they finish watching the movie because nothing's going to change. And so there's a lot of waiting. We go to it early, and they they go to it. You know, after the crime scene, guys have all been there. And totally. Stuff. So it's a lot of so there's a lot of opportunity to talk to people. And then you try to get the homicide cops and stuff if you're lucky. Totally. So the intensity of the moment already is gone by the time you get there. It's kind of just like whatever is lingering. And, oh and no, it's the, all it's all quiet. No, I've gotten right after we'd hear the calls and run out the door. Wow. Yeah, just hear the call and run out. And and it, for Tupac, I was at the hospital when he died. And finally, I didn't have confirmation. And finally, it got the hospital uh, doctor came outside, and I took notes. And I was already writing, and I took notes in a notebook. And I called on my radio to the news desk, and I dictated it. So I wrote my story off, and. Um, the Sun, because 1996, and they had a website, the competing newspaper did it, and so we had the internet, and um, within two hours, of po we were the first to report his death, because I filed it from the scene, and um, it shut down our broadband, it just, boom, it shut down our site, and they didn't get it up and running for a couple more hours. That's how many people hit our site. Wow. So it so then it it um and I had reporters calling me from all over the country, you know, because we were the first out with it. And and it it um so that just kind of you know, I never thought I'd write a book. No. Never had a book in me. Dang. Well, that became my first and then after that I wanted to write more. Nice. Well Tupac died six months later, so what are you gonna do? Totally. Yeah, so I I covered that too. Wow. Dang, that is really intense. So do you, um, wow, that's very intense. Did you, um... So well, you, you have a path, you know, one thing, kind of, you don't know what your future is, but you just kind of follow it, and, and it, one thing leads to another, and you just kind of have to go with your gut and do things. Totally, and know. it took off, that whole Tupac thing took off your career, for sure, like you for, just... For the, for the, um, um, for, uh, for the books, yeah, yeah. that, that kind of put the publisher on the map. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Because he was just a smaller publishing house. That's true. And Tupac just, the book took off, yeah. Wow. And um, do you feel like talking about your injury a little bit? Well, I, I think I'll, I'll, I won't necessarily talk about all the injuries, totally. but as far as, I'm very That's holistic, it. and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, so I had a real challenge to come back from it. I've always, I've always exercised. I've always, my entire life, I've been a member of the gym, and... Um, and so I had some injuries and, and was in pain and I, I declined pain, pain pills, declined, um, cortisone shots and, um, I did have some traction and a chiropractor for a year and, um, this was kind of recent? traditional two and a half years ago. Two and a half years so ago. So I went through a lot for about a year and a half and, um. Uh, and the doctors also said where I live, because you live in the mountains, and so do I. Got yes. the birds and the rustling of the trees, and just your environment alone helps you heal. Wow. And the fact that I didn't, I, I worked in the yard, but I had these horrible headaches, aura headaches, and never had anything like it. And they're very intense, and the only thing that would take it away was if my hands were in the dirt, and I was... And, it, and I'd come back in, and 15 minutes later, it would be back. But just slowly, 
balance yeah. issues, things like that. Those are all gone mostly. But but um, it was a lot to come back from. And I just sought pain meds um, impede healing, and I'm not going to take any. Totally. And so I just toughed it out. I did later take T CB CBD without CBD CBG mm -hmm. yeah CBG. I always think CBG the singers are really <laughs> so the what was it the CBG club or whatever CBD um, without THC of course yeah yeah because I don't do drugs I don't do meds um, and I take melatonin at night to sleep and then CB CBD uh, helped me a lot and just as now the doctors endorsed it and just as as to be as natural and did a lot of supplements and things like that. I didn't sleep for a long time. Oh, whoa. And you said... Not until recently. Yeah. So I've been wow. sleep deprived, deprived for, for a couple of years now. Whoa. But I'm just starting to sleep again. Wow. So people that are listening that don't have context, you had an injury like two and a half years ago that really was a significant part of your life. It was a monkey wrench in my life. Yes. Yeah, it was a monkey wrench. If you haven't seen any books come out since then, that's why. But I'm back writing all yes. day long and and um, don't have any problems concentrating and I'm, I'm getting, you know, I feel good. Um, yeah. I'm not quite back, but almost in it. it um, you know, it just you know, feels, feels good to be back in the saddle. Yes. And you, I don't know if you want, but the... You lost the ability to read and write for a bit? Is that okay? Well, I lost, I had memory loss. Memory loss. And when you have memory loss, you can't remember what you read on the page. That's Short-term short memory loss, but it, it uh, you know, with a lot of brain games and stuff like that, the, the brain does heal. I was very yeah. lucky. I, I was thinking, I wanted to talk about this because I was thinking of... And you can't remember if you fed your dogs. Yeah, that's... I, I was just... No, I haven't talked about this. This is the first time. So. Oh, okay. Sweet. Well, <laughs> you heard it here first, y'all. Um, so that is... Well, there are lots of things that I... There's still some things, but you learn to adapt and you get... You know, it's not like I have Alzheimer's or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been tested for that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's just little things that you don't pay attention. So there are lots of little tricks you can do. To help yourself and then slowly just slowly slowly that's a weird feeling yeah i was just thinking of and it happened to some artists and people that are, have refined their craft over the year of like favorite musician songwriter of mine bjork had kind of the same thing she's a vocalist and she got sick and she couldn't sing for couldn't her sing and then um also i was thinking the guy and the you drummer lose gigs from, that way because yes. people People think, oh, wow, she can't perform anymore. And then everybody cuts you off. And totally. You have a hard time getting back. You and know, so. the drummer from Def Leppard lost his arm. So it's interesting when artists the drummer. lose. Yeah. Oh. He, the artists lose the one thing that they've been using that have been in their craft. And it's such an interest. For some reason, it's been a very interesting concept. I've been thinking about it the last couple of days. How interesting that... I don't know if that's a lesson. Like, did you learn? Has this been a huge? Well, I push. Lesson? I push myself even harder. I push myself even harder, and I did. I did everything that the doctors told me to do, and and except for I'd say no, you know, and to certain things, but because um, you kind of have to go with your gut, and you have yes. to be your own advocate. You don't just take pills because they're offered to you. I mean, I could have doped myself up if I wanted to, and if you wanted. But I don't like feeling gro groggy. I never have, and. And pain, you know, I, I just toughed my way through it and yeah. very, very painful. But um, but I healed quicker 
Totally. You know, How the can your body you heal? Are, the the harder it is to heal. Yeah, uh, and how can you heal if your liver is so stopped up from all these medications and yeah. everything? So, so I did it. I was clean. Yeah. So if people here and she took the whole, mostly holistic route, went to a conventional doctor, but took the holistic route. So what was it? So it, was, it was interesting because I kind of married both, you know, because my, my GP, my general practitioner just laughed. So okay, I'm going to ask you if you want to take this drug. I say, I, she'll, she'll tell her assistant, um, patient declines the drug. So now I look at the patient, I just look at the assistant and say, patient declines the drug. But, and she laughs, but um, they respected me. Yes. There was only one doctor who didn't. And, and so I, I moved on to another one after that because I saw a lot of specialists. And, um, I mean, hearing, eyes, everything were affected. And, wow. yeah, and I just was bound and determined to you know, to come back, to try to get back better than where I was before. I'm not, but I will be. And um, I kind of had this conversation with you two years ago. You know, wow. I couldn't have done it. But so no, did you get surgery? No, I said no to surgery. No surgery? I said no, no to No pain medication? I said no to neck surgery. No to neck surgery after a crazy traumatic injury and... Wow, no pain medication at all. None. Not even a pain. No. No, wow. and I didn't do I didn't do CBD for oh god, probably a year, you know, into wow. it. And so I could start then that's when I started sleeping. Instead of a half an hour, I was able to sleep like an hour and a half. So Wow. Yeah, so I, I That's three times more than you were before though. Yeah, so I, I got to where I was three hours and four hours, but that seemed to be the mid, the highest I could get, sometimes five. But mostly I was sleeping between two and a half to four hours a night if I was lucky. And it, would you and I don't mind just didn't shut off? You would no, just lay in bed and you would just lay there? No, I'd, I'd watch TV. I'd hit, you know, get up. My doctor said, don't just try to go to sleep, get up. She told me to take melatonin, and I did. And melatonin. sometimes melatonin would help. And you did Chinese herbs too, you said? Ch no. Acupuncture. Ch traditional Chinese acupuncture with a, a, a what is it, a twee knot, um, massage afterward, oh my God, you know. Um, you have to sit in the yeah. car for a little bit because you have to have to relax before you kind of get over it. It's so incredible. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. And So I've never been to a chiropractor, never yeah. been to a... Um, acupuncturist, but the pain management doctor said, "Would you, if you want to do pain pills, would you do, uh, would you do chiropractic?" And I did it for almost a year. And diet as well, right? Acupuncture, yeah, and diet. Diet. And, and, although I've gained, I've gained weight, but I kind of fell off the wagon on part of that. But I also don't drink. Don't drink alcohol. No, I haven't in years. And yeah. So that. Just because I just didn't like the way it made me feel, so I don't do it anymore. Yep, That's been about, yeah, about 10 years, and I think that was to my advantage. Totally. So I think my lifestyle and... Wow, no alcohol, no cannabis, no, um, <laughs> no. no never pain done, pills. never done weed. No, wow, and you healed. Y'all, this is my favorite part of the podcast. That is a miracle story. At least I believe that that's Took a miracle a story. Took a while, but Yeah, I, no you know. surgery... Ooh, and you, so you went through pain. You were living through oh, pain. Oh, I still am. Yeah. That's why I don't sleep. How, oh, that's yeah. what keeps you up. Okay. Yeah. I'm in a wow. lot of pain. But, uh, but I know what it is, and I know what I deal with for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, you know, because neck surgeries don't always work out. They're mm -hmm. all, almost some that are experimental. And, 
and um, I, I know what I have and I didn't want to get worse and um, take away any, any of the ability I have now. So I, um, so I, you know. I love it. Healing through diet, acupuncture, all holistic. I mean, that's amazing. I think it's amazing. <laughs> and the birds and the bees and the and the wind and everything else. And the birds, living, yes. Nature. Living out in the mountains. We live in the mountains, so it is. Um, you can see right now the view, the wind blowing here, super fresh air, greenery. It's. It's very healing just being yeah, here. Yeah, it's, it's very peaceful. Very and peaceful. And that, now I can sit down and concentrate on a book. I just started, um, I went back to, um, it's Murders on the Beach, about two girls who were killed two, um, six years apart. And I'm, I'm deep, deep into that story. And it's, so I have a different perspective coming to it after being away from it for, for you know, a year and a half, almost two years. And, and... Uh, so it's it's good, you know, and I can can sit down much better than I could before. Still have um, short term memory, but that's that's not it doesn't interfere with that as much. Very cool, and uh, just kind of is what it is. You learn to live with things. Totally. And speaking of living with things, the COVID pandemic. How have you been getting more work or less work nowadays? Do you, well, I do a lot a, of Zoom things, and um, no, you can you can sell a book. It's all on the internet. That's you true, know, you yeah. go to the agents, your agent, the publishers, and everything. It's same way it's always been. The agent and the publisher might not have a face to face at lunch or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. They'll be on the phone instead. So that hasn't changed. I think people are buying books. Yeah, that's true. Even more, and I listen to so, audiobooks. Audiobooks are so hot. I listen to my them royalties all the time. on some audiobooks just went way up. I bet because people are at home, and I'm not. Um, I'm, I know people are stressed out by it. I'm not, and I, I just, you know, I go to an exercise class once a week outside, you know, distancing, social distancing, and um, here I, in Julian. No, down at uh, Liberty Station, down in San Diego, on the Bay, and I don't. Um, I don't, you know, you get together with people. At first it was kind of, you know, on my deck and people would be out on my driveway, but friends and, but mostly, you know, you talk to people on the phone or you, you see them, you just keep your distance. And I think that, you know, our patio get together or a lawn get together, have board meetings with the Julian Arts Guild at Jess Martin Park. And we're all 10 feet away from each other. Which We're I have outdoors. to join very soon. <laughs> you're a member. No, you're I'm a joined. member. I know you got me in, which yeah, I'm very no, grateful No, no, your for. membership came in again. Oh, okay. Yeah, you must have. Yeah, no, it came in again. Oh, okay. Weird. <laughs> I didn't I didn't do it again, but Yeah, no, I'm, you're I'll on the list it. as having been received. Okay, so, sweet. yeah, it's a good group. And, and, um, and as you know, they have a literary arm. And I'm in a writer's group, and we do that by Zoom. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm running my chapters past the group. Totally. I still mess up some things that I shouldn't in my books, and so I, you know, it's almost relearning yes. how to do some things. But I'm, I'm, I'm much, you know. Yes, I'm you're back. very humble too. That was what, a oh. huge thing I noticed too at, at when we were doing the writers group is people that weren't even experienced writers were giving you critique, and you're just not taking it personally. You're like, okay, sweet, thank you, thank you. And then even outside of itself, so one huge thing I think 
Oh, Probably attributed you. to your success as well as being extremely humble. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm also not stingy, so I'll help other authors and I'm not, I'm not stingy with information, you know, and I don't, don't charge them or anything, you know, I just, somebody needs help with something, I'm happy to do it. Totally. Yeah. Like this I think podcast, it's hard. thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. But I think it's hard to, um, it's hard to break into the business. It's hard to, you know, people don't know what to do and I wish I would known Yes. Some things, because the first book really teaches you how to do the second one, and you make mistakes along the way, and and um, so if I can help somebody not make those mistakes and cross some of the hurdles a little easier for me, then I, I'm I'm not stingy about it. So I do it. I share, I share my knowledge and experience with people. So I know I know some who won't. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. That's that's what I mean. It's very noticeable when someone's humble because there's a lot of people that have their success. They want to keep it, and it's they don't yeah, want to no, share any of it. Yeah, secrets away, but I'm I'm happy to share stuff. Yes. So. Dang. Well, that's. I mean, I've I don't even have any more questions. I felt very complete. Oh, like, very good. Yes. Um. Thank you for doing this. This You're has welcome. been amazing, and the fresh air and everything. Well, I have to show you one thing. Yes, I had a, please. had a workman at my house yesterday, and he said something about, well, you know, it must be nice you're retired. I said, I'm not retired. <laughs> you know, I'm on a couple of pensions, but I'm not retired. And I'm, you know, I think someday somebody's going to find me with my head on my computer because I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep working. Just keep working. And nice. I'm worked until, and I'm, I am probably going to do a biography of Anne Rule, the Queen of True Crime. And Anne Rule worked until, how old was she? 80. Before. I don't give my age, therefore I don't have to lie about totally. it. Totally. I won't share it, but I saw it on Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, now, that could be accurate. It could be inaccurate. I don't okay. know. Um, I looked at it lately. I heard the guy from Bragg's, the one that does apple cider vinegar, he said his age was older, so he looked younger to people so he could sell more stuff. Controversy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think in the... In the in the book business, in, in literature, and in, in, in what I do, I don't think age matters at all. I think that as long as you can put out a book and you've got, you know, you've got a following, that's what they care about. There's no discrimination in age, which is nice. You know, that's nice to um, be in an industry that doesn't discriminate. Sweet. So I know that your age probably of retiring, you're just always working you're always just going to work do you, you just love writing that much well i like writing i like um i like blogging that was very difficult for me in the beginning but yeah, i came yeah. back had a had a long talk with my editor at, at psychology today and um i um that just took me a long time i don't know why it was just hard to do but um, i'm back and and doing it and um i i think when you get with people who are understanding and know you know it, it because it was temporary, mm -hmm. you know, my illness, and some things still linger. But one big one, you know, was, you know, the concussion and head injury and all of that. Those were um, luckily temporary. Mm -hmm. But it just takes a long time. You don't, you don't, it takes years to come back from it. So next year I'll have some things that I'll notice, oh, I can do that again. Okay. Yeah. And you just roll with like the punches. Like email. Yeah. I just stared at it. Oh, whoa. Word. What do I, what's that for? Yeah. Couldn't remember how to change the font. That must and have when you, changed And it's all, everything. when you start, when it starts, you start coming back, it's almost like waking up. You, um, uh, it's like, yay. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can do that again. So it was, I didn't wallow. 
I mean, I had a few bad days, but I try, you know, the glass is half full with me. Totally, yes. That's another your, thing I noticed, yes. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and roll with the punches. Get on with it. Yes. As the song says. Yes, totally. I love it. Well, I think that's a good place to end. Cool. Thank you so much. Oh my no God. Pleasure. Thank you. That was awesome. I learned so much about you more than I researched before. I've learned even more. And I didn't, yeah. The holistic part was my favorite, the holistic healing part. That's just kind of where my passion is. But um, that is well, yeah, awesome. Yeah, people can, we can have control of our own destinies. I mean, sometimes we can't, but you can always push back. You push back from something and don't just sit down and accept what the doctors give you. And not to say doctors are bad, but you just sit down and push back and don't, don't do every, you know, go with your gut. And, totally. And try to pick up, don't sit down and not get up again and, you know, Yes, that's to, to amazing. Because people don't, they don't, they just, you know, doctors say, well, you know, I've got a neighbor who, he's got a heart condition, and the doctor said, quit climbing stairs, you're going to have a heart attack. Have him change his diet. It's caused by plaque. You know, <laughs> totally. So, yeah, so instead of telling him not to walk upstairs anymore, he needs to walk. Have him change his diet. But I just think that we have to take, we have to take control of our own. And you mix traditional, I mix traditional. With with um, with alternative and and I think it, and I think it worked. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, yeah, I, you said you're not quite there, but almost. Yes, but it's but getting there, and you're working and you're thriving. That's amazing. Sweet. Well, that's been amazing. Thanks for coming by Thank again. Thank you, Alex. It's oh been my a God, yes, I'm excited. All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in, and um, that's the end of the podcast. Peace yeah. out. Peace out. <laughs> Did you get the peace out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say peace out. Yeah, that, that'll be something I'll keep then. <laughs> yeah, Tupac always said it, you know. Oh, yeah. That's a Tupac, it's a, it's a rap thing.